0: We are continuing a series called A Beautiful Mess. And so if you are in a relationship with anyone, even a dog, you understand this idea that relationships are messy, but they also can be beautiful. Relationships with your kids, relationships with your parents, relationships with significant others, they have the capacity to be beautiful and also to be messy. And actually, they always will be messy. That is guaranteed. The very idea of humanity being created is a mess. In Genesis, God takes some dirt, a mess, and makes man. So, the very foundations of relationship is messy, but it's also beautiful. And if you look in your own relationships today, you might go, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm erring on the whole messy part of this idea that I'm, I'm struggling to see maybe the beauty sometimes. Uh, so we've been talking about some ways in which to, to help make our messes a little more beautiful. We've talked about uh, conflict. We've talked about communication. Today, we're going to talk about commitment. We're going to talk about commitment. So we're going to get there, but first we're going to kind of dive into uh, what this all means for us as we talk about a beautiful, beautiful mess. Our theme verse for the series has been Romans 12 verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. And this is incredibly important when we think about the way in which the world teaches us about commitment. Now, disclaimer before we get any farther. If you are single, do not check out on me right now. (laughs) Like, right? Okay, so I understand. Like, oh, great. It's a marriage. Thanks, Jared. I'm just gonna sit here, get on my phone, play a little Angry Birds. Because I'm angry right now. Uh, But... um, as we talk about commitment, I think this is a, a beautiful place for us to reset what we think about relationships. There's so much spoken into us as teenagers, as singles, as whoever we are about the world's view of what commitment and what marriage and relationship can look like or should look like to the world that we don't have another voice counteracting that. And so the the lyric in that song, uh, when the lies are shouting more than the truth or something along that line, it couldn't couldn't go better than with this, is that the world tells us all kinds of things, but what does God have to say for relationships? And so today as we start, uh, if we're single, we're married, or wherever we're at on that spectrum, to say, you know what, I need to reshape whoever I am, whether I'm preparing for marriage, trying to salvage my marriage, or just make my marriage better, there's something for me in this anywhere on that continuum okay so um, please don't check out and be like oh I'm just wasting my next 40 minutes or whatever it is you're not you're not you're not I promise you that the world has messed up the way in which we view relationships and I don't know if as the church we've done a very good job of speaking into uh, relationships how it should be I know we haven't modeled what relationships should look like and in one of my theories on Christianity and how it goes in the future is that if we're going to really have longevity, if we're going to speak truth into people's lives, by modeling how we parent, how we deal with our aging parents, and how we have uh, how we show off our marriages, how they appear to everyone else, not that this should be fake and facade, but how they really are, we'll have the greatest way of showing people Jesus. That will our... Our new way of evangelism will not be done even from the pulpit. It won't be on the radio. It won't be counted on a TV or a movie somewhere. It's how we actually live our lives out from the day to day. Because people discredit us because, well, how could you believe in the Bible and how could you do this and how could you say I can't, I don't have control over my own body and how could you do the, these things? Well, okay, okay. Well, if you understood where I'm coming from and the worldview in which I'm trying to have, all those other things would make a lot more sense. Because the outside, they don't make any sense. And so as we live our lives, as we try to be the best spouses, the best parents, and the best children that we possibly can can be, how we conduct ourselves matters. It has not just worldly implications, but it has eternal ramifications. So the world has set up relationships. Mary Tyler Moore died a couple weeks ago. And Dick Van Dyke made the, the news for, like, dancing at his 90 millionth birthday or whatever. <laughs> How old that guy is, I don't know. But he, he was doing a dance or something. I think it was 94th birthday party, um, which is good for Dick Van Dyke. Um, if you ever wondered what my grandpa was like, watch Dick Van Dyke show. That was him, okay? The tripping and everything, all right? <laughs> so um, I grew up watching Nick at Night with my parents and watching the Dick Van Dyke show. It was on right after M.A.S.H., it's, and then, you know, that's just the way it went in my life. And um, you notice something different about the show if you've ever watched it. And I remember asking this question probably I was seven, eight years old. Why are the beds in their bedroom separate? Like, what is that? And my parents were like, well, that's just how they live. Like, you know, I'm eight years old. Like, pass on this uh, idea. But the idea of, of sex... And even the marriage bed being portrayed on TV at that time was like, no, they're going to even have two separate beds. Well, you know what's going on in there. They separated. Now, 91% of all sex acts, we'll just say, that are conveyed on TV are not under the umbrella of marriage. Ninety-one percent. Think about that. Nine from Dick Van Dyke, we're like, we don't even sleep in the same bed, we're not even gonna show you a one bed in the bedroom, to ninety-one percent of all acts of sex happening on TV are not even under the marriage umbrella. Does this make sense? So if we don't speak truth, we don't speak life, we don't speak how relationships should work, we don't speak into our children about sex and what that should look like. We don't speak into our children like how marriage should work. We're going to let MTV do it for us. We're going to let The Bachelor do it, and we're going to let The Bachelorette do it, and we're going to let all this reality TV. I mean, there's like Dating Naked, and there's another show right now like, oh, you've been married for seven years? Move out of the, your, your, uh, your house. Go live with someone else for a couple weeks and see if you still want to be married. What? And the people who are doing that are actual counselors. Like they, they were like, oh, well, we think this marriage therapy is going to be the wave of the future. Shut your face! Sorry, I digress. That's not, it's not even in the notes. Uh, no shutting of face. I don't see it there. <laughs> Sorry, I get worked up about that. But think about that. But we're like, oh well, I don't want to talk to my kids about it, or we can't speak that, and we can't talk about church at it. I, uh, but we're losing our voice, and our voice needs to be loud in there when the lies cover up the truth. And so I'm not gonna talk, we're not that's all that's all the sex talk going on today. So kids can be like, good, because I'm sitting next to my mom, and this is really weird. Um I usually get, you know, I give a disclaimer when we're gonna talk more about that stuff, so you guys make sure your kids are in the child care if you want, or bring them in here. I don't care. Um But that's it for that. Okay, so what the world views for relationships. The world has a very distinct way in which relationships are supposed to work. And a lot of us prescribe to this and we have bought into it. I know I bought into it as a high schooler looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh, I know I did it. And you probably did it as well in your dating relationships. The world has a way in which to do this. But so does God, which is the good news. So this is what God's way of relationships look like. Number one. You find the right person, right? I will be happy when I find the right person. You complete me, right? That, that crazy stuff. You're perfect for me. You fill all my, my, my nooks and crannies. You're, you're fantastic. We find the right person. This is how the world wants it. To then you fall in love, right? Then you have the go ahead and kiss the girl. You know, you have the whole little mermaid moment like, oh, it's beautiful. Everything's wonderful. We fell in love. You guys are looking at me like I'm weird. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You find the right person and you fall in love. And then three, you fix all of your hopes and dreams and your happiness on them. And it's all up to them to reciprocate, to build you up, to provide you with all this happiness, whether that's whatever it is and fulfillment in all kinds of different ways. But it's up to them to do it. And when they fail, which they will, we go back to steps one, two, and three and wonder why the cycle keeps on repeating itself. It happens all the time. This is a broken system. The very way in which we date in the world right now is messed up. It's just, it's just broken. And I'm really happy every time I hear some of my friends talk about their dating travesties. I'm like, I'm so glad I'm married right now. I'm so glad I don't have to do that. Because it's broken. I remember being broken on this. And it's just because what we're doing is training our young people or our old people or our middle-aged people, whatever it is, how to leave a relationship. That's what we train you to do. Oh, if you don't like it, you don't like this person, then you leave and then you break up. And it's terrible. And then you go, and you find the right person. You fall in love, and you fix all your hopes and dreams on them. And then you rinse and repeat, and the cycle continues and continues and continues and continues and continues. And we've taught you how to leave a relationship, not the how to stick, out, uh, stick it out in a relationship. My mom taught me commitment in a relationship. And so she tried to counteract this. She did a pretty good job of counteracting this. Imagine that. My mom taught me well something. Um, so she's teaching me commitment. She's teaching me commitment, except it almost bitter in the rear end. And she will tell you this. I was dating a girl. She was wrong. Ten days, ten ways of wrong for me. She's just the wrong person. It wasn't Kelly, okay? So she was the wrong, <laughs> wrong person. Um, and my mom was like, oh, no, I taught him commitment. He's not going to break this up. <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> run, Jared, run away. Was like, but mom, you told me, I don't care what I said. <laughs> you know, run, because she tried to teach me. She taught me commitment. This, And I was I was kind of jiving both of these lists in one little thing. And it was getting really weird. And she was just the wrong person. But thank God for Kelly. Um amen on that yeah that should have got a lot more amens Uh, so right okay but god's way is this you sorry first i forgot what it was you become the right person instead of finding the right person you become the right person you start to become the person that you would like to see become the right person start working on you who am i supposed to be I got, because a lot of times when we start focusing on, I got to find the right person to complete me, it's to fulfill emotional need, a a spiritual need, or some sort of weird thing going on in you that you haven't dealt with. So you need to become the right person. You need to drop your baggage, drop your hurts, drop, drop your, the hangups, drop the stuff that makes you crave another human being to fill you when only God can be in that place. Just because you're married doesn't mean you've got this figured out. You may be looking in your relationship right now and you're like, well, that's not the right person, and I'm married to him, and I'm stuck to him. Well, you guys still work on you. Get rid of that baggage. The person across the bed from you, across the dinner table from you, looks a whole lot better when you're junk and God has taken your junk and your stuff away from you. Two, walk in love. Not fall in love. Fall in love teaches you this Disney principle of there's only one person in the world for me and they're my soulmate. What a load of poo. <laughs> Walk in love. I've never seen it. I've never seen it in the scripture where they're like, oh, that one person's your soulmate. It's not in there. If my kids read the story of Jacob and uh, we talked about Laban last week and his two daughters. Which one was the soulmate? Like, that's awkward. He's got two wives. How are we going to sell this one at the dinner table? Right? So this it's not in the scripture. David's got a couple hundred wives. Solomon's got a couple thousand. Pray for that guy. Uh, I don't know what he was thinking. Um, but we walk in love. And walking in love means I'm going to choose to love you. I'm choosing love. Every day, I'm choosing love. Love. We're going to walk this out in love. Not that I'm falling in love with you and you're my soulmate and we're, we complete each other and all these weird kind of magical things we've made up to be romantic and to sell some movies. But no, every day I'm choosing, I'm going to walk with you in love. That's totally different. Three, fix all your hopes and dreams on God. Fix all your hopes and dreams on God, which sounds a lot safer than fixing your hopes and dreams on a sinful man or woman. There is a reality about humans that you need to understand. They will always disappoint you. Whether they're fantastic, as wonderful as Kelly is, I have been disappointed twice. Right? As wonderful as, as the best spouse you could possibly imagine is, they will still disappoint you. God doesn't fix all your hopes and dreams on God, not a man or a woman. Number four failure occurs. Repeat steps one, two, and three. Doesn't this sound like a healthier cycle? We don't do it though. What? We've been modeled something that's broken. We've been seeing something that's broken, and now it's time to break the cycle. I'm going to read those over one more time for you. Become the right person. Walk in love. Fix all your hopes and dreams on God. And a failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. <clears throat> what is the major cure for all of this it is commitment. Commitment is a, a scary word for us. We've made it so easy to get out of relationships. We've made it so easy even to get out of marriage with no-fault divorces and all these different ways. There's always this, oh, well, if it doesn't work out, we can do this. No, there's the idea of prenups and all these different things. Like, what? No. If you get a prenup, all you're saying is you're hedging your bets. Well, I'm pretty sure this isn't going to work out, but they're not going to get my baseball card collection. Touch my Pokemon cards, Bowen. Bowen's already writing his prenup, I think. Um, you've got this, this, this issue, but what you're saying is, I'm going to keep part of me, mine, my own, my precious, and, and I don't even care if this doesn't work out. I keep it. Instead, we have to come to this realization that I'm all in. That there is not a get-out-of-jail-free card clause. If it is richer or poor, it's I guarantee it's poorer. If it's in sickness and in health, we're going to do that. If it's whatever it is, we're going to do it. It's all in. Not a, well, if you didn't, it's all in. Malachi 2, 13 through 16 says this. Stay with me through the whole thing because you're going to be like, what are you reading here, Jared? you flood. You flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because no, uh, he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? It is because the Lord is the witness between you and your wife of your youth. You have been unfaithful to her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the one God has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard. Do not let the unfaithful do not be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and, who hates and divorces his wife says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one he should protect says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. This idea of why do you, why do you feel like your, your prayers are going unanswered? Why do you feel like you're not stepping into the, uh, into relationship with God? It's because you're being unfaithful to you, the one you said you're going to be faithful to, to the wife or the husband of your youth. I love that. Commitment means staying loyal To what you said you were going to do, long after the mood you set it in has left you. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you'd do long after the mood you set it in left you. This is difficult, right? This is hard enough about taking out the trash, but not not even to mention I'm going to love you forever. Forever is a long time. Till death do us part. You may wish for death at some point. But this commitment to say, I'm going to be loyal to you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to be there. This is counter to what the world says. The world says, get out of jail now. Go, get out, get out, run away. God says, no, be loyal to them. It's a total different way of thinking about it. If you do any, uh, I pretty much only do premarital counseling. I'm not a licensed counselor. Um, but if you'd like to talk, I can talk, um, but I'm not a licensed counselor. But if you do any marriage stuff with me, you're going to hear a phrase. We is better than me. The Felicianos can tell you that. The Manleys can tell you that. Uh, the Tucker Pools, can t- they're not one yet, so there's still Tucker Pools yet. Uh, but they, they can tell you that because we is better than me, it's always Team Hauser, Team Feliciano, Team Tesmer. It's, it's team who you're going to be, right, instead of just me. I can explain this with you, and in in this week was the trade deadline in the NBA. There is a player that plays for the, for the New York Knicks who is one of the greatest scorers of all time. His name is Carmelo Anthony. Now, Carmelo Anthony holds the distinguishment of scoring the most points ever by someone without a championship ring. He does not hold this record by 10 points, 100 points, by 500 points, by 800 points, by 1,000 points. It is thousands of points. He has scored more than the next guy who doesn't have a championship ring. This is a problem. Some of us are like this in our dating relationships. Carmelo Anthony is a selfish player. The ball has to be in his hands. He plays like some of my kids on the Fighting Wookies. He is a ball hog. right? This is what he does. He, he's very good at what he does, but he has to have the ball all the time. It's all about his contract, about who he is and about how he's going to look and what awards he's going to get, except it never is getting him a championship. Ring. This is a problem for him. The Knicks were wanting him to go away. Carmelo, if you watch ESPN, it's been a story. He's begging to get out of New York. New York is begging for him to get out of there. No one likes him. He doesn't like anybody else. It's bad. It is a dysfunctional relationship. No one wants him. Because for him, in his basketball situation, he might be a fine young man. I think he's young still to me. Okay, yeah, uh, But me is always better than team for him a we is better than me in the nfl we had a little game called the super bowl a couple weeks ago there's a guy named matt ryan who was the quarterback for uh, for the falcons he won the greatest individual award you possibly can as an nfl player he won the mvp of the season the year before a guy named cam newton he won the mvp of the entire season these two guys have two things in common. One, they're NFL quarterbacks. Two, they both lost the Super Bowl. They can be the greatest player on the field at that time and yet still lose the Super Bowl if we is not better than me. In fact, this is such a problem in the NFL. Only 10 people ever have won the league MVP and won the Super Bowl in the 51-year history of the Super Bowl. You would think that would happen all the time. I've got the best player in the league. We're going to win the biggest game. It doesn't happen because of this concept. We is better than me. Relationships rise and fall on commitment. Relationships rise and fall on commitment. So we're going to go through a few things here of how we should conduct ourselves, how we should orient ourselves on commitment. If you are single right now, these are the times like, okay, this is how I'm supposed to be reorienting my life, so these are the goals of relationships. This is, this is how this should work. This is how relationships can stay committed to each other. This is how relationships can last. If you're married right now or dating right now, this is what we need to do. This is the to-do list to make our stuff last longer. The beautiful thing about this is it can be one-sided. This doesn't even have to be if your spouse is not here and you're like, well, pfft, nope, 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 this still works, okay? So here we go. Number one is this. I commit to prioritize you. I commit to prioritize you. I commit to prioritize you. First John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives For our brothers and sisters, make them important. That a hobby doesn't come in between, that a lifestyle choice doesn't come in between, that a job doesn't come in between, that even kids don't come in between you and them. The only thing that comes in between you and your spouse is God, and He will not come in between you, He will pull you together. That's how this works. I get pushback for this point, but our priorities are, they're important on how we live our lives, how our relationships work. If you don't commit to prioritizing your spouse, you are choosing to put distance between you and your spouse. Because what that priority does, it says it puts a gap in there, a break, a break, a break a break. And this is why when kids graduate from high school, parents look at each other and go, I don't, who are you? I don't even know you. Are you the person, are you a taxi driver that takes my kids around a lot? Right? It's because these priorities have kept on pushing and pushing and pushing away. I commit to prioritizing you. Number two, I commit to pursue you. Revelation 3.20. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in, and, I will share, um, and we will share a meal together as friends. I will pursue you. Date them. Chase them. Pursue them. When you say, I do, the pursuing isn't over. And for some of us, it's like, oh, it's just so much work. I got to put on pants. Right? <laughs> I'm trying to filter myself here with stories. Um, but pursuing you. We take people for granted so easily. We take our relationship for granted so easily. You know, I, even, this applies for parenting as well. You're like, oh, you're my kid. Get over here. You know, you look at your week with your child, and everything that you said to them was a no or do this quicker. Your shoes, homework. Food, everything. Do it quicker because you're driving me nuts. We're not pursuing them. We're not pursuing a relationship with them. Okay, buddy, I got to get on your level. What is this Pokemon thing happening? Right? What is this going on? Kelly was trying to feed a baby and playing Pokemon with Bowen at the same time this week because she knows she hasn't had wonderful one-on-one time with her son. And he craves one-on-one time with with anyone, but one-on-one time with his mama. And so she's like, okay, well, this feeding thing's got to happen. But Bowen, play me in Pokemon. Because she's committed to pursuing him. It's the same thing happens with your spouse. I got to commit to pursue you. Even though I know everything about you, I know your day's busy, but it doesn't cost me much to put a note in your, on your wallet. It doesn't cost, it cost me too much to you know, go wash your car when you're home. It doesn't cost me too much to do these things, to pursue you, to take you on a walk. Last week would have been a great time for that. This week, probably not so much. <laughs> commit to pursue them. If you don't choose to pursue your spouse, you are choosing loneliness. There's always a choice. Always a choice. If you don't choose to pursue your spouse, you are choosing loneliness. Number three, I commit to possess you. Now, I don't like the word possess you, but if you notice, all the other words are peas, and so this is what I had to do, Okay. <laughs> Uh, I commit to possess you. 1 Peter 2 9. You are a chosen people. You are a roly, 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 roly. Don't call anyone roly. Uh, you are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. I prefer treasure or adore to this, okay? Let's, let's get past the possession part because um, people are not possessions to be bought and, and, and traded around. You are a chosen people. I adore you, I treasure you. My precious, right? Treasure. You're welcome, Kelsey. Thank you for coming back from college for that. But <laughs> I treasure and I adore you. Think about that. I choose to do this. Because a lot of people, like Jared, I, I'm looking across that dinner table and adoration and treasuring is not the words coming to my head. Love might be closer. But it's a choice whether to be like, or I'm gonna do better. It's a choice. That is an attitude shift. That is a a choice that you have to make in the morning. I'm going to choose to adore them, I'm gonna choose to treasure them. If you don't commit to adoring your spouse, on your best day, you're choosing frustration. On the worst, you're despising them. It's your choice. I would much rather choose to adore them. Kelly and I have had some difficult seasons in life, some difficult times with each other, and it was a choice in those rare moments when you actually get to see each other. Am I going to choose to hold all the baggage that I've been collecting all week over their head, or am I going to choose to adore her? I'll be honest with you. Some of those times, those were choices and matters of prayer to say, you know what, I'm going to get rid of that because I'm going to choose to adore her. Because me holding all this stuff up, it's not even hurting her. It's just me collecting garbage. Last week we took rocks. And why I told you not to put them in your pockets and carry them around with you is because we don't need any more baggage to carry around in our life. We've got to get rid of it. Choosing to adore is kind of that same thing. Letting go of all that junk. Letting go of the past. Choose to adore. Number four, I commit to protect you. Psalm 121 verse 7 says this. The Lord will protect you from all dangers. He will guard your life. Life is hard enough. We don't need to be attacked when we walk in our safe place of home. And sometimes we need to reorient the way in which we communicate. We need to reevaluate how we're talking to each other. That I need to know that when I walk into my home, Kelly has been protecting me. And she needs to know without a shadow of a doubt that I've been protecting her heart. I commit to protecting you. That we don't attack each other, we fight for each other. I will commit to protecting you. If you don't commit to protecting your spouse, you are choosing to harm them. Number five, I commit to purify you. Ephesians 5, 25 and 27. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. This is beautiful. It's it's April's pastor, Pastor Keith's, one of his favorite passages on marriage. I wash her with the word. Now he would go on for about 15 minutes on that one sentence. I'll do it in like three. This is the difference between me and him. Wash her with the word. Now think about that as, as an idea of I, I will commit to purify you. When was the last time you, you dealt with any relationship, whether your parents, your kids, or your spouse, is that I will wash them with the word? What does that mean? What does that look like? Well, the word, anything good, anything truthful, anything pure, anything sweet is coming from the Scripture. Anything life-giving, anything building up is coming from the Word. You can choose to speak truth in love. You can even choose to read Scripture verses. Take it literally, I'm going to... I'm going to read scripture to you because this is who I, I find you are. Uh, on uh, Guys, if you need a, a cheater version of that, Proverbs 31, just read that to your wife. You'll, good days will happen. All right. Uh, so just just do that. But you don't even have to do that. Just speak love and speak truth and speak life into them. I commit to purify. them, Wash them with the word. If you don't commit to purify your spouse, you are choosing to contaminate them. Think about that. I was washing. uh, Kelly was here, so I was in charge of bath time for the four-week-old. It's a very exciting proposition. Now I got twins. I'm old hat at this. It's been a little bit, but that whole idea of I can't control any of her movements and she might drown herself—it's very exciting. But as I was washing her, you now a baby creates lots of yuck. She doesn't need any help of me getting more yuck on her. She creates enough for herself. And as, I was, as I was washing her, I was just thinking, oh, my goodness. This idea of washing someone with the word, my child with the word, my parents with the word, my spouse with the word, that I'm, I'm cleaning the crevices, I'm cleaning the buildup of the day. I'm nurturing her as I was putting lotion on her uh, to put her in her onesie before bed just to think I'm rubbing life into her skin. I'm restoring the the stuff that has dried it out throughout the day. I'm rubbing life into her. Now think about that. For your marriages and for your parenting, even for for how you treat your parents. When I speak to them, am am I rubbing life into them? Am I cleansing them? taking away the harm and the hurt of the day, or am I contaminating them? You know, I don't take that little baby and like, oh, here's some dirt. It's it on you for a little bit. No one would ever think of that. But in our conversations with the people that we love the most, we throw filth at them. Today, I want to commit to purifying you. We have some stations. This is a beautiful mess, so we decided to get messy each week, and this week's probably going to be the messiest of our of our messiest weeks. We've got finger paints for you, uh, and what I want you to do is to take a little bit of time to create some artwork. And now I just made a little heart, oh, right? Uh, this is a very hard challenge for me today this week to remember all my primary colors. There's only three, so it's really difficult. But to remember how this all works. Now I took one finger representing one person in our relationship, and I put red, and then the other one I put blue. And then I smeared them a little bit together to make purple. That's how that comes. Destiny has a joke. I always used to say, um, guys are red and girls are blue. Let's not make purple. This was the rule for our, our, our retreats. And that, that that continues to today. But today we get to make purple. And I, I thought of you all week when I, when I thought of this. Um, we make this because we take the moment to create something. Now you can choose different colors and, and create something else. But I thought, what a cool little thing to either make a bookmark for you and your spouse or uh, to hang on your fridge. And then your kids say, what does that mean? And then you say, this is how you parent and wash your kids with the word of God. You say, your mom and I are committing to each other, to, be, to purify each other, to protect each other, to love each other. You, whatever you want to do in these things, that's how you do this, right? So you just get to t- draw a little bit, take a little bit, be a little creative. It's fun. Um, so these things are on the back. But as you do that, just think about these commitments that we're making to each other. Maybe you want to do it with your children. Guys, we're going to make draw a house, and I want everybody to draw a little another part of the house. You're going to make the roof. You're going to make the, the walls. You're going to make a window. And then we kind of smear it in together because all of us together, we are one family together. Does this make sense? A little object lesson to take him with you. Because I want you to start these conversations. The world speaks lies and filth into our lives. And unless we give you the tools to go be able to speak life and truth into your children, we are failing you. And so that's why we want to give you these beautiful messes today. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for today. God, we ask you to bless us. We ask you to guide us. We ask you to take our messes and make them beautiful. Lord, I don't ask you to take away all my messes. Messes are fun. Messes are exciting. Messes messes teaches us something. But I want to find the beauty in it. I want to create art with it. I want to explore you and explore each other in it. God, right now, I know there's people all over this room that are struggling with relationships, they're struggling with a child, they're struggling with a parent, they're struggling with a spouse, they're struggling in a dating relationship. And something in today has really sparked something in their heart to say, you know what, I've got to commit to do better or I've got to end this relationship if they're dating. That there's a better way, there's a deeper way, there's a more life-giving way to live than the way it is now. And God, that we would explore commitment with each other. that we would say today is the day that relationship changes and we find the beauty in the mess. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.